0: All right, I have one more announcement before I go into the episode. I know these can be super annoying, but this is not a paid advertisement. This is actually about one of my projects. I made a feature film called Fractals, and guess what? It is now available for streaming. Just visit my website, ericnorcross.com. Look for the movie Fractals, and there will be a list of platforms where you can stream it. Thanks. Thanks. Hello. Hi, how are you?
1: Good. How are you, Eric?
0: Good. All right. All right. Um, thanks for coming on my podcast, man.
1: Yeah, no problem.
0: Yeah, I love you. I love your content. Um, I also just read your book. Fabulous. Oh, there it is. Yes. There it is, everybody. I got a, I got like a 6K resolution camera here so people can see your cover in
1: detail. Do you need a video from me?
0: Uh, if you want to give it. Some people do, some people don't. Um,
1: Oh, I can. Uh... Uh,
0: if you do, uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll get more downloads. I don't know.
1: Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right.
0: I had Avi on the podcast uh, some weeks back, and uh, he had himself in profile. <laughs> he says, "I'll give you a video," <laughs> and he put himself in profile. I thought that was clever.
1: <laughs> he's uh, he's probably my favorite person to interview.
0: Yeah, he has like. The smart answer for everything. Like, I really had him on because he had this introduction to something upstairs that insinuated that something upstairs was true. I'm like, is this time travel ghost story? Like, really? And he goes, well, the intro is true. (laughs) Like, the introduction. (laughs) And I, I, I see what you're doing there. And I asked him if he believed in ghosts. And he goes, no, but I believe in ghost stories. And if you tell me you saw a ghost, I'll believe you.
1: I have never seen a ghost.
0: Yeah, I haven't either, but I love ghost stories.
1: Yeah, they're, they're, if for if for nothing, if for no other reason than the spook factor. They're fun, but I've never seen a thing. And I, I've also managed to miss UFOs and Bigfoot and everything else. I just haven't seen anything.
0: Yeah, I... Uh... I've become a bit of a, a skeptic over the years because uh, um, I actually got into an argument on Instagram uh, where uh, you know how like you look at Instagram and they start pushing pushing more content like that to you. So I keep getting UFO content and I'm like, doesn't it make, does, does it like register to anybody out there that with the proliferation of HD technology, UFO footage is still shitty? Like, <laughs>
1: right well that's the that's the big problem, and then there's also the the problem of the unbelievably difficult task of crossing space time <clears throat> and uh, why anyone would do it just to come here and vaguely appear on various cameras and also apparently mess up people's crops and things like that if you're gonna put that much time and energy into crossing interstellar space you're going to do more than that so i uh i've always been skeptical on that on those grounds that they these these ufos if they are indeed of alien origin aren't really behaving like aliens
0: yeah i feel the same way and it it kind of sucks because when i was younger and i used to be obsessed with unsolved mysteries and all the science fiction shows and there you know they they really painted these picture this picture of the universe as there's a lot of mysterious shit going on out there but like 20 years later every single one of those like stories have been debunked like the right. the signs were, i guess in the UK they were like stomping down the the fields
1: yeah the crop circles and uh, <laughs> there it was it, there was a time period from i think my recollection you may recall the same or differently but in the 1990s where there it really was there was a bunch of unknown unexplained things floating around but as people chewed them over they started finding problems and then i think we also realized that there are there are a lot of people in this world that will fake something um try buying a rolex you know from a from i don't know just some shop somewhere instead of an authorized dealer So when you have that situation and you also have a situation where writing books about the paranormal or writing books about UFOs and things like that is extremely profitable or making YouTube channels about it, then you you run into an issue, you know, that you may not be seeing something that's uh, even real. But even still, there are core, you know, interesting cases and things like that that seem to have, they seem to be free and clear of that. And I think those types of things just stay unexplained. You know, who knows what they were.
0: Yeah. And you know, there's something, there's something also just romantic about having at least some part of our reality unknown.
1: It is, yeah. there is something, but I, I, I have, I find that the mysteries of science fill that role for me, which obviously I make a living off of talking about the mysteries of science. And, um, there's stuff there that i'm convinced we will never know the answer to you know there are things that have happened within the annals of science that we'll never explain and there are some of them that that get downright weird like the wow signal which appears for all intents and purposes to have been a some kind of radio signal from technology that does not appear to be ours um But unless it repeats, you can't study it, and you can't verify it, and you can't do all the things that you need to do to scientifically say this was real. So it goes in the gray basket, and there it stays presumably forever.
0: Can I pick your brain for a little bit about uh, what you think we will and will not eventually solve? Sure. Um, Let's start with uh, the proton. Do you think it'll decay? Do you think we'll figure out if it'll decay? Well, or is that's a good that unsolvable.
1: Uh, I had a guy on last well, night. I
0: asked him the same thing.
1: <laughs> it's it's solvable if you have trillions of years to watch one, mm-hmm. um, but I my sense is that I I think that I don't think that one will be solved again because the observation time to actually see it happen and verify is very 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 long. But I could be wrong. You know, there may be. We don't really know what the rules are. I mean, maybe a proton can decay much faster than what we currently think it could, in which case you can reasonably say a proton decays and that eventually the universe will fall apart from proton decay. But at this point, I think that one would be a really hard one to answer. Mm -hmm. And it's also one of those things that I don't think a lot of people think about because it's so far in the future where it would become an issue that we probably will be long gone, you know, by that time. Or, yeah. we'll, or we'll be something that doesn't even care about protons anymore. We're <laughs> in, living in another universe we created or something.
0: Yeah, the anti-proton universe. Yes. Uh, what about, uh, what, was it the Higgs field that is... is- it's questionable whether or not it'll tunnel into a lower state or was it another field? You
1: no, know, that's the, uh, <laughs> that is the vacuum state of the universe. Oh, the vacuum the, state of the universe. The question is, is, is it at its lowest vacuum state or is it just halfway down the hill sitting on a ledge essentially? Yeah. And, um, we don't know the answer to that. Again, you, you would need to know one of two things without one. Either you would need a much, much more complete understanding of the universe than what we have, which in which case, that's centuries away, if ever. I mean, it's possible we may never have a complete picture of this universe. The other option is that if it does tunnel to its lowest energy state, then uh, we'll, we'll get obliterated. It'll it'll explode at the speed of light and travel across the universe, and and turn changing the laws of physics as it moves. And we won't even see it coming. We'll just cease to exist.
0: Do you, how, how, how often do you think about these things?
1: 24 seven. No, I, I, well, I mean, given what I do, um, yeah. science fiction writing to YouTube videos on this subject, I put a fair amount of thought each day into it, but it's fun for me. You know, yeah. th- this is what I naturally would, would think about. Um, I'm always in a constant existential crisis.
0: Yeah. Same. Uh, How long have you been interested in science fiction? Going all the way back? Oh, all the
1: way back. Absolutely. Um, I I would say my first interest, and if you hear a cat, there's a cat right here. I got Um, eight,
0: so it's all good. Okay, I got two.
1: (laughs) One of them is here, and he he likes to talk into the microphone, which might add interest to the interview. Um, It goes back to 19... 1981 1982 watching uh the original star trek series and rerun and it fascinated me and i i made a point to try to watch every single episode and there was actually one i missed which was about space hippies that i didn't actually see until the dvd age um but i yeah that was it that was what started it and then what really pushed me over the edge was um I started getting interested in, I'd been interested in rocks, geology, and fossils, and things like that. And I asked for a microscope. So my parents bought me this little Tasco set of a cheap microscope and a telescope. Little 30-millimeter telescope. And I used that telescope to look at Saturn. And I was, I saw the rings, and I was absolutely floored, and it's been that way. That must have been when I was around 10. And I've been fascinated with this stuff ever since
0: yeah it didn't occur to me till late that you can actually photograph the rings from the surface of the earth because until um recently when i guess saturn was like as close as it'll be for a while um Mm -hmm. a news helicopter in new york pointed its camera towards the sunset and just shot a photo of the rings with like their news camera
1: yeah it's very obvious and and few things in astronomy are as good as the pictures but saturn is and um it uh it's very obvious even in binoculars you can just look at saturn and see the rings that's far if, if, if your eyesight's good enough
0: so what what were you doing before you started your youtube channel i'm curious
1: uh i was a it's even harder to explain than being a YouTuber. I was <laughs> an expert in medieval economies and coinage. Mm. And I also had a side business as a violin maker. <laughs> so I've, I've never really been a very normal guy as far as jobs go.
0: With well, the violin maker thing, is a podcast all on its own.
1: Yes, um, I apprenticed as a violin maker instead of going to college. And I, that, <laughs> I did that for 20 years. That's Over 20 years, 21 interesting.
0: years. Interesting. I pegged you as a PhD. To be honest, I'm like, oh, this guy must have. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, wow. So we learned something new. Um, so you start this YouTube channel because, from what I understand, the story is there was something that wasn't. There was something in the science news that wasn't. There wasn't a lot of content on YouTube about it. And you wanted to create content about
1: it. That's correct. I, uh, I had been. This was. This would be. Cast your mind back to uh, the first few months of 2016. And I was thinking, you know, I had a novel out already. And I was like, how do I promote that thing? And, you know, the, the your agents and all that will tell you, well, you got to get social media going and all this. And I'm like, what social media could I do? And it was YouTube. And I was going to start a science fiction channel and just talk about general science fiction and the history of it and all that. But I, I thought that probably wouldn't be that huge if I did that. Well, at the time, there was a story in the news about a star, Tabby's star, or a KSC 8462852. And the star was behaving very strangely, It still is, but it was behaving extremely strangely in light curves taken by the Kepler spacecraft to the point that it was on the table that it might be some sort of alien megastructure that was orbiting the star which should block light in a similar way you know if they're building a partial dyson sphere or something like that and i went looking on youtube for content about it because i was fascinated with it and i um found nothing but alien claims and ufo claims and nothing was was correct um it was just sensationalist stuff that was being put up for monetization and making wild claims that it was an alien megastructure. So I thought, okay, well, how about I do an overview of what we actually know based on the scientific papers? And I very carefully point out that it was never very likely to be aliens. It was just likely to be something we have just never seen before that was astrophysical in nature, which is what it is. So I, that's how, what started it. And I thought, well, I'll get 300 views. You know, something like that. Maybe some subscribers, and I'll plug the book and maybe sell a few copies. And then it broke 100,000 views, and I was like, "Uh uh-oh. How long did it
0: take to break 100K?
1: Less than a month. Holy Um, shit. Yeah, it it went viral. Um, And I thought, okay, well, maybe I got something. So I um, made other videos in succession, and the channel just kept growing and growing and growing. And I... Right now I've got videos that have surpassed 2 million views and then I've got, what, 280,000 subscribers on one channel and then 200,000 subscribers on the other. So it just grew from there. But I backed into it. I didn't really anticipate that I would have anything other than a loyal, you know, following of a few handful of people that like my books.
0: Well, you know, for me, I I started listening to it maybe two years ago kind of around the time I graduated from an MFA program and it was really just about I was looking for content that kept my imagination fired. Right. Like everything I do is about keeping me inspired to keep going. Yep. Even the podcast. I want to hear creatives talk about their work. And there's just something about the ideas that are presented in every playlist you have. And by the way, the the whole playlist the way you deal with playlists opened my eyes to their actual purpose <laughs> for the longest time i didn't know what to do with youtube playlists but you have some you you have a great use of it uh, trappist 1 playlist a more and more playlist my favorite is the cosmology um, but regardless of where you go th- there's inspiring content that just it, it's like having a drink with that with that buddy and you're just philosophizing
1: you know. That's that. That's the ethic um, That's what I intend there's, well, there's a few things that I intend with that channel That I've learned over the years from feedback You know, you read your comment section And I read every single one on both channels And you glean certain truths from that And one of them is It's fun to sit around with a buddy and have a beer And talk about the universe And this is a sort of a one-sided conversation version of that The second thing is that people appreciate real, that it's real science, you know? And then that's why I always cite papers and and say where these ideas originate from. And the third thing is that about half of my audience just likes to fall asleep to the sound of my voice and I'm happy to help. So they call it ASMR or, you know, sleep aid, whatever. And it's very good for that because, you know, laying in bed at night, trying to fall asleep to space content, on what I do with it, with a, you know, a, a quiet voice and, you know, all that sort of thing is very valuable because I imagine, you know, being able to help people in that way, you know, you know, insomniacs and things like that to fall asleep. So that's about half of what, what my channels accomplish. And I'm rather proud of that. I, uh, I put people to sleep with my channels and my books.
0: Yeah. And in a good way. In a good in, way. In a good way. And, uh, you know, it, it reminds me of um, when I moved to New York in '03. I couldn't sleep. And I used to just imagine myself in, like, an Enterprise-type ship with the hum. And I had to imagine the hum. Ooh, mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's almost kind of like that. But the idea mm-hmm. of visualizing stars outside just kind of made it peaceful enough to sleep. Um, and I had to do that for a couple of years.
1: There are YouTube channels dedicated to 24 seven broadcasting the hum from the enterprise. So this is something that, that does help people when you're in that, that sort of quasi conscious state, just before going to sleep, there are certain things that can just push right over the edge. And for me, that was talk radio, late night talk radio back in the nineties, I would, put on Art Bell or something like that and just fall asleep to it. And I'm sort of the modern YouTube equivalent of, of that sort of thing.
0: Do you stream your the audio of your content to the various audio platforms like Apple or Stitcher?
1: No, we don't. Um, we are right now exclusively YouTube, but we are working on a podcast option that, you know, people request that they want to be able to download it and it will be available somewhere like that yes soon um part of the problem is that i don't have any time restrictions because it's a youtube video i can talk with someone for 20 minutes or i can talk with them for two hours doesn't matter and that doesn't really lend itself well to formats where you know you have one 30 minute podcast or you know or even worse radio so um that that creates somewhat of an issue and then uh the other thing is <clears throat> converting it, you know, all of those videos, I mean, I have what 300 and s- 320 videos on my original channel that I would have to convert over to audio. <laughs> and that's quite a task.
0: Yeah. Well, what are you at? does your workflow look like from a technical standpoint?
1: Technical standpoint, my workflow, um, I work seven days a week and I work off of lists so I will make a list that says I need to edit, you know, uh, video and, um, I need to, uh, work on a book, whatever, whatever task I have at hand. It's, it's actually a lot more complicated than that, but whatever task I have at hand and I, um, I don't feel right if I don't complete the list in a day. So that's, that's the motivating factor to get, you know, complete my workflow for the day is, is to finish the list. Um, but that list includes uh, most aspects of life, you know, take out the trash, you know, take out the recycling, whatever, um, <clears throat> all the way to <clears throat> edit, chapter, or whatever the book, you know, the current book that's being written. So it's a it's a regimented sort of thing, and I sometimes even use a tomato timer. <laughs> which is a method of half-hour work, um, you know, blocks. You know, so you set the timer, you work on a task, and as soon as that half hour is up, you move to the next task, and then you sort of rinse and repeat the whole cycle. Sometimes I do that. Um, other times I get sick of the whole thing, and I just lay on the couch all day.
0: Uh, I, so with the, with the narratives that you're, you're – you're re- are you reading a script that you write or are you just talking about it?
1: Okay, the it works two different ways. On my original channel, that is scripts that I write and research. And um, I don't deliver them exactly. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'll write them, and then when I, I'm actually recording it, I'll think, well, that doesn't sound right, so I say it differently. <laughs> um, so I work off of a script on that channel. But Event Horizon is totally unscripted. That's just me having conversations with people. And I probably wouldn't even need a script on the original channel, except I'll forget half of what I need to say. So.
0: Yeah, I can imagine that's even the. There are people who have been in it for years that they'll be off book one moment, and the moment they're recording, wait, what?
1: Yep. (laughs) Yep. It's much easier if you have a script. And then the other thing, too, is my scripts um, serve as a record of the research that I've done for the video. So I print them out and bind them up as reference on these ideas and subjects that I cover, which, um, I mean, when you make hundreds and hundreds of videos and you're researching different topics every day, you forget some of them. And it's useful to go back through these scripts, um, you know, about once a year and see what was there.
0: Yeah, I think the reason I had it in my head that you were a PhD is because you cite everything.
1: I use academic rules. Yes. Yes.
0: And there are people who have come through the academic system that don't do that. Like it just wasn't hammered into them enough. And I I really appreciated that because that's one of the rules I have for this podcast is if you go into the description of each episode, it'll say intact discourse. That's like kind of what I call that section. Everything I use to research the person and everything they mentioned during the podcast. And it's just there. And I think that that's so important.
1: For me, it's it's what I would want to see because if I want to dig deeper into a subject, it's useful if it's right there. And that's why I cite the papers and do the links like you do. And uh, it's just for anyone that wants to dig deeper. And I always assume that my audience is highly intelligent the, given that they're interested in this stuff and very, very possibly would want to go and uh, dig deeper. So that's why I do that. Um, and the other thing is that being an author credit is important, you know, so I give credit to where credit is due, you know.
0: Yeah, I, uh, where, where did you grow up? Where? Yeah.
1: I, uh, two places. Um, I grew up and I'm born and currently located in St. Louis, Missouri. And, uh, when I was, um, young in my formative years, I, my dad was an engineer and he worked for a company that that was based in Portland, Oregon. So I lived there for um, five years, something like that. Um, so yeah, between Oregon and St. Louis.
0: All right, so you, you were on an interesting podcast that I really enjoyed. I don't recall the name of it right now, but I'll make sure I link to it. Um, where you, you and I think it, was, it sounded like there were two other people on the podcast and you were just talking about the Fermi Paradox and the Great Filter. And you were debating on whether or not we beat the Great Filter or if it's to come or if it even exists at all.
1: <laughs> that happened in uh I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, that happened in that debate was between me and Fraser Kane of uh of uh YouTube fame. Fraser's a huge YouTuber too. And then it was moderated by a Twitch streamer named Skylius, who does a science channel over on Twitch. And that happened at uh, Palm Springs, California. Uh, we were part of a science-themed vacation. <laughs> and we thought, well, let's all, let's all do internet content. And we, did, we just decided to do that one while we were standing at the bar uh, drinking margaritas. And that's, that's how that debate came about.
0: Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that. And it got me thinking more optimistically, like, oh, I never, th- like, because I, I do think about the great filter a lot, maybe a little too much, and the Fermi paradox. And it never occurred to me to maybe consider the idea that we beat it, maybe simply by even going to the moon or something like that. I mean, it's, it's maybe it's too optimistic, but the fact that that never even occurred to me,
1: uh, the Fermi paradox is, I think already explained by one filter and we are far past it. And that filter is, and this is just my gut feeling, but that filter is the leap from eukaryotic to prokaryotic life. Are prokaryotic to eukaryotic life. However that works. Meaning uh, one cell to multiple cells. The difference between simple and complex life. It took Earth 1.8 billion years. Life on Earth. To make that leap. And it required one organism to absorb another without digesting it. And that to me seems very unlikely to happen very often. And that probably is the filter so if we head out into the universe we will find very very simple unicellular life and a lot of it you know probably not hard but very very rarely will we find anything more complex than that which is just something that's you know an amoeba or something like that you know something more complex than that and to get to our level intelligence is probably very, very rare. And that explains the Fermi Paradox, um, that its intelligence is simply unbelievably rare, and that it may only happen once or twice in the lifetime of a galaxy, and there's no guarantee that it'll happen exactly at the same time. So the two civilizations might appear in a galaxy over its lifetime, but live at different times and never know about each other. So I think that that's probably the most viable solution to the Fermi Paradox. And that when we worry about things like, well, will we destroy ourselves and things like that? The point is, we haven't. We're still here. So, and we, the 20th century was rough, you know, Um, but we're here, you know, Um, and right now we're, we're going through a, a natural disaster, a pandemic, and we're here and we have figured out most of us have figured out ways to cope with it and and trudge on so I don't worry too much um about the filter being ahead of us because like I said I think it's far behind us the the strongest hard filter is is billions of years in the past
0: how how you been doing during the pandemic
1: I've been very productive because I have plenty of time to work um I, uh, I think I had the stuff, to be honest with you. And, you know, I had a period about a year ago where I had some symptoms, very mild, and then it was gone. And I've, I've been out to shop and, you know, wearing my mask and doing all those things. And I have not gotten it, which I probably should have um, because I was, you know, no, no more isolated than anybody else in this, this situation. So I think I had it, and it just wasn't wasn't a bad case. Um, that said, watch me come down with it tomorrow, and yeah. you know, end up on a in a hospital or something like that with it. Um, it's just such a weird, dangerous, you know, virus that that um, I mean, nobody living other than maybe a few very old people that saw the 1918 flu would would recognize. That said, I'm just you know, staying uh, holed up here, writing, making videos, and awaiting my turn for the vaccine.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, it's pretty much how we were doing it on this side. We think we got it as well, my girlfriend and I. And like we got ended up getting the first shot of the vaccine. We're getting our second one on Sunday. Um, New York City's been rolling them out like crazy. Um, but yeah, we had this weird like three and a half weeks where our respiratory systems were just not acting normally yeah, it and it didn't even feel yeah. like a cold. It was just a weird
1: thing. Exactly what happened to me. I was like, I, I just, it, I felt a little bit ill, you know, like I had a little something or, you know, which I get migraine headaches. So it's hard to tell when you're actually sick, when, when headaches make you sick. And I, I just thought, well, something going on. And then all of a sudden one day I woke up, with breathing problems and i'm like what did i just am i getting copd here what happened you know because that, that killed my dad and for about three days i had pretty distressing breathing problems and then i went away and everything returned to normal and that was it so that's why i suspect as as you do that i had it was was because of a breathing problem um, and I had been exposed to um, someone that that had, <clears throat> had been uh, traveling frequently in aircraft and been to China, you know, right at that time. So it was, uh, it seems like I probably had it. But again, I say that and watch me come down with it tomorrow and, and I'm like, no, oh, that wasn't it. This is awful. Or, you know, something like that.
0: Yeah. I, like a week before I started getting those symptoms. I New York City hadn't closed and I had gone to this art this massive art opening somewhere in Manhattan and there were like hundreds of people in this it's almost like a Comic Con type setting. We had booths and um but it was all art and uh well high high art. And uh, <laughs> uh yeah, a week later I'm out of it out of commission. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad it was mild, though, because I'm an asthmatic and I'm a severe asthmatic, and so this this thing is especially. Oh yeah, I'll be glad when it's done and dealt with.
1: Well, we're one thing can be said, we are we are we are past probably the worst of it. Um, yeah. If you look at cases, daily cases, that that's dropped, and it dropped early. You know, um, you would expect. A winter bump to be have lasted longer so i wonder if a lot more people haven't gotten this thing and made it through than what we really know you know because you really only know the tests yeah in testing cases but if somebody gets a sniffle you know a mild case of it and never goes to the doctor and never gets tested well that's a case too so i think that this virus might have been a way more widespread than what what was thought, or what the testing would indicate, and that now we're seeing sort of the beginning, the very, very beginning of a herd immunity.
0: Yeah, I, I agree hope, with that. I hope you know, that I makes hope. a lot of sense. And I, I live in an area of New York where they they won't test. Like I think me and my girlfriend are like a handful of very rare people. It's a very conservative sort of area. They 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 won't test. They won't get the vaccine. They wanna go to their, They wanna go to the bar. You know. I mean, it's just, and yeah, they're definitely going after herd immunity in this part of the city. Um,
1: are you, up, are you <laughs> in, what, like, Westchester County or something? <laughs> Staten, Staten island. island. Staten Island. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> but we we live in, like, the North Shore that where the ferry lands, and so pretty much our neighborhood is the only part that confirms to the rest of New York City uh, liberal culture. Every But the rest of the island is, like, a big hot spot for covid <laughs>
1: I live in St. Louis, and this is a swing state, so you've okay. got both extremes, you know, and you'll see uh, on the one hand everybody's wearing masks except you'll see some guy driving a big truck not wearing a mask with a Donald Trump flag flying. you know you'll see both types and um I just uh wish myself that. People would look at the science instead of the politics of this thing because you know a virus doesn't care who you vote for, you know. Yeah. Um, so we should look at it that way, but people tended to sort of look at it politically, and I think that muddied the waters, you know, more well, than it needed to be.
0: Well, that's the thing, is and, and I kind of brought this up in the, on, the, on a podcast yesterday. I had this physics professor on, and I brought I'd mentioned to him that I don't think most people even know what the scientific method is. They don't even they you know the you know, I took this animal behavior class in my undergrad where we were taught it in terms of, you know, you observe, you document, you observe, you document, you come to your conclusion. And most people don't know what that is. They weren't paying attention in, you know, their high school science class.
1: That's true. Um there are or there are people that have a superficial overlook on it that they, they think they know, but they don't actually know the real philosophies and, and methods within the scientific method and why it is the way it is. Um, so you'll have people that, you know, um, are not skeptical about UFOs, but yet know science, you know. Um, so you have those types. And then you also have types that, that everything they need to know comes from as a religious book. So. Hmm.
0: You had this one video. I tried to find it before we started this podcast. Uh, I couldn't find it for some reason. I don't know if it was uh, recently privatized or whatnot, but it was about the tachyon telephone. Am I getting that Oh, right? yeah, that's
1: the, the tachyonic anti-telephone. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Can, can, can you unpack that a little bit? Um, I, lo- I I loved that concept. I think that was in the... I, I don't remember if that was in the cosmology or the mind-blown playlist. might have been in the mind-blown playlist, but... Um,
1: could have been both. Yeah. Um the playlists I just organized those based on, you know, well, this ticks this box and this box and this box. Um and that's how I organize those. And I actually am about to add a bunch more um to sort of differentiate it out even more because when you got hundreds of videos, you have to find some way to organize them. Yeah. Um But the tachyonic anti-telephone is based on the concept of the tachyon. And the tachyon, general relativity says that, okay, you can't ever reach the speed of light uh, because it takes infinite energy to do so. And there is not infinite energy in the universe, but it doesn't forbid the opposite asymmetry where, where it, takes infinite energy to slow down to the speed of light so this led to the the hypothesis that maybe there are particles that never slow down to the speed of light and they're called tachyons and they've never been detected the nature of that because time and space are linked the faster you go and the closer you get to the speed of light the more time dilates and the idea is once you go past it, time goes backwards. So a tachyon would give you an option, if they exist, of communicating with the past. You couldn't travel to the past. You couldn't do anything, but you could send messages to it. And um, <clears throat> which violates causality. You know, um, you could tell your grandfather or send him a message that says don't have kids because, you know. it it turned into me. Um, (laughs) And then you suddenly cease to exist or something like that. But that's the idea of the of the Tachyon anti-telephone. But we have never seen anything like a Tachyon. Um, Thought we did once, but it turned out the detector was uh, miscalibrated. So uh, they the best way to explain the, the situation with those is that they're not forbidden by nature, but that doesn't mean they exist. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I found that, that that's the case with a lot of... Um, like, the, the this idea that in math they can create virtual particles, but they don't know how to actually create particles or something like that. Like, this is why I have these guys on, because I just don't understand it, and I'm trying to unpack it bit by bit. But yeah the 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 guy yesterday was talking about oh, we can create lots of things in the in the mathematical models, but we don't really know how to create, how
1: to create. well the the reality <laughs> the reality of it is is that we use math as a way to describe the universe, but the universe does not care one bit about math. it isn't mathematical, it doesn't care about it, it doesn't even know what it is it can just merely be expressed by it but because that the way math works you can start doing things like putting a minus symbol in front of something and creating a negative number of the exact same one and it's totally valid in mathematics so you could do something like looking at a dimension you know of space and then put a put a minus in front of the number that you've assigned to it and all of a sudden you've got an anti-dimension and the reason that we don't have those is there's no reason to invoke it but occasionally there is. And that's the case with the tachyon is that, well, what if, you know, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean it, it really exists. It it just means it's a concept on, on the back of a napkin written as as an equation ultimately. But sometimes those turn out to be real, you know, (laughs) I mean, it has to be said. So like the Higgs boson. Um, So sometimes it's useful to, Play the negative numbers games, but sometimes it just—it's pie in the sky. You know, for example, mass—you can conceive negative mass, um, something that that weighs less than nothing. But that doesn't mean it can actually exist in the universe. The universe may just simply say no. You that there's no way to make it. There's no physical way to make it, even though it's not prohibited. Hmm.
0: Do you have a uh, you have a new book coming out soon?
1: Probably at the end of the year, um, if I finish it. I do have one that's actively being worked on, um, and it's probably see that book. The conception of it is post YouTube channel, so the, the the first two books that I wrote, or three books actually, were. I'm written not really with the YouTube channel and that experience in mind, whereas this one that I'm working on deals directly with the subject matter of some of the videos, some of the topics. Um, and I'm trying to create, which I think I'm, I, I think I'm onto something. I'm with it. I'm trying to create the incomprehensible nature of what alien contact would be and what, you know, it's not, it's very likely not going to be something like, you know, uh, a Klingon, you know, a alien with a funny forehead or something like that. It's going to be a lot weirder and stranger and and ambiguous. And that's what I'm trying to convey with this new novel. Um, And I'm with any luck, it'll be out by the end of the year.
0: Is it been, is it been, I don't know. I don't want to say stressful, but has the experience of writing it, been more present in your mind knowing that you have this huge audience waiting for you?
1: Yeah, that doesn't bother me. Um, I, uh, I've i done this for five years now and all of the surprise of getting a big audience is, has sort of, I've gotten used to it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm used to it. Uh, the, the stressful part of it is trying to get it out there on my timeline that i'm telling people so i say to you uh it's probably by the end of the year but for all i know it could be the middle of next year you know it just depends on what snags <laughs> right. I, get, I get caught up in
0: yeah i uh, i find that that's the case with with a lot of creators um delays happen um i i look forward to it and i i hope that uh you'll come on again to talk about that once I've read it. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I I only got a few more questions, and then I'll promise I'll let you go. Um, uh, Have you ever considered lending yourself out to do voice work?
1: Oh, sure. Um, No one's ever asked me, believe it or not. But if someone came up and I liked what they were doing, Um, Yeah, I I would say yes. Um, I hadn't really ever intended to be a voiceover artist, but I uh, obviously can do it. So, so I, I, yeah, I
0: think you could do it. I think you'd be very successful
1: at it. And I've got the studio for it because, you know, you, you always want to improve what you do. And when your YouTube channel grows, you invest some money in some pretty decent equipment.
0: Oh, that's, a, that's an interesting point. At what point did you decide to really invest in this thing? Early. I, I, it, as a reference, I, I literally waited 20 years before buying my first camera. <laughs> every, <laughs> every other camera I borrowed.
1: I'd, uh, I probably, well, the thing is, I, 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 have to, I have to make a caveat because I had some equipment already because of my background with musical stuff. So I had some, um, uh, mics and such that were for recording musical instruments. And in fact, I still use a mic that was designed for musical instruments, but, um, but I really started to invest and realize that, that I had something growing and, um, producing income in early 2017, about a year after I started the channel, I was like, "Okay, this is something I need to invest money and time into and build into uh, something." Mm-hmm. Um, so it was about that time. Yeah,
0: that was int- that's good. I uh, always wondered about your story, and I-, I managed to get little pieces of it over the over the past year. But uh, this is uh, what if uh, honestly the fact that you were a violin maker before it, there's some something that makes sense with that because there's an there's there's a there's an artistry to that that that's apparent in in the way you're constructing these
1: videos. It's not it's not all that different. Yeah. Um and if you if you think about it the idea of writing science fiction novels and doing science videos also go hand in hand. So there is a relation going through this. And um the uh the study of history which is what I did in a nutshell economic history also plays into this because you hear a lot of the history of science and what I do. So yeah, they're all more related than you might think. Um, And, and as far as actually crafting the videos and doing that stuff, I wouldn't be able to do that if I hadn't done all those jobs. Um, They're all sort of created a perfect storm um, for me to be able to do it.
0: That's a good, that's a good, uh, we found our thesis, I think.
1: Yeah, more or less. I, 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 If there is such a thing as doing what you're intended to do, I think I am. You know, if there is such a thing. So.
0: Yeah. Well, you're doing great. Um, I, I love the content. I love your writing. Uh, I hope you'll come back and, uh, you know, keep producing, stay productive.
1: Oh, I'm not gonna uh, stop. Your Your work right? matters when you when you love what you do which i do i dearly love it um it isn't work it's yeah. it's 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 passion and um i uh i consider myself unbelievably lucky to have found the acorn known as youtube <laughs> and am able to do something with it and it's my full-time job so it's uh i'm very very thankful for it and very thankful for my audience too that that there are that many people that'll listen to me, you know, flap my gums and talk about science. Uh,
0: there's a little bit of housekeeping, and then I'll do an an outro. Um, do you have a headshot that you can send me for the bumper?
1: Uh, my orange, <laughs> unwhite balanced one that nobody lets me um, remove. Um, why? Like, why oh. don't
0: they let you remove it?
1: The uh, the inside joke on the channel. I took that that photo was actually taken by a girlfriend and uh, in a bathroom. And I was like, I need a quick photo for my YouTube channel, which had no subscribers. And so she snapped it. And it's terrible. It's unwhite balanced. And I look like an axe murderer. And um, and I, everybody's like, don't ever change that picture. And I'm like, why? Because it's funny. So I can't change it. The the viewers will not allow me to change that photo. Um, but I got something around somewhere. Uh, yeah,
0: anything you could yeah. use that or whatever you want, or um, if you want to introduce them to maybe an alternate perspective, we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I see where they're coming from. If 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 you get that sponsor that pays for that professional photographer, then they think you're selling out or something.
1: Well, that's that's <laughs> it, and then there's also a, a, a certain level of camp, you know, and uh, cult following and things like that, where you you know, you certain things you don't want to change because they're traditional you know and um if you do change them then you become something different from what you were i like to be the guy that you used to watch late at night on cable public access you know um just trying to do some kind of show and and it just builds around this sort of uh this little narrative and you know a canon of of things that happen and i i I like that so i i often like with um the running theme jokes on my original channel about Chrysler LeBaron's um, and uh I i can't even remember some of them because I always put an outro in there that's just wacky and uh, you know whatever I can think of so there I, I hear a lot about Chrysler LeBaron's um, McRibs the McDonald's McRibs sandwich I've mentioned and things like that and then on event horizon i have uh anna and a quantum mechanical possum that appear at the very end too um and i just sort of like that thing to make it sort of campy you know yeah but i'm, but I'm a science fiction author that's what i'm supposed to do
0: yeah i was gonna see if you would do the the outro for this um something about the the universe in which we live what, what was that how's that go
1: thanks for listening i am futurist and science fiction author john michael godier currently doing something and be sure to check out my books at your favorite online book retailer and subscribe to my channels for regular in-depth explorations into the interesting weird and unknown aspects of this amazing universe in which we live
0: and that's our podcast Just, just
1: (laughs) just to prove that's actually me doing that
0: that's beautiful man and you do that every every single time
1: Every single one going back to the very first video. And then I do, very, I do variations on what I'm currently doing and uh, just have fun with it. And yeah, that's probably... And the thing is, here's the sad thing. Talk, talking about selling out, that keeps people listening to those videos to the very bitter end, which YouTube absolutely loves. So... <laughs> yeah, they
0: they, they... they If I found that if I finish a video they'll push that content to me an hour later or two hours later. Mm-hmm. If I don't finish a the video, they won't push the content.
1: That's right. And um, so you, you – uh, and this worked this way in television. You want to keep people interested to the very end, you know, so they see all the advertisements and everything else and all that stuff. But at the same time, what's more important is to get a laugh out of people, you know, and yeah. sort of create uniqueness, you know you got that down yeah yep. i'm going to go and i'm actually releasing a video in about two hours and then after that i will be back to writing on that book
0: oh perfect all right i'll let you do that fans are waiting thanks man thank you for listening to my podcast. If you have a moment, please consider subscribing to the show wherever you listen. And if the app allows for it, please leave a rating and review. That way the algorithm moves us up in recommendations. It's a great way for new listeners to find our show. Thanks, and I'll see you on the next episode.